Welcome to the Marketing Star Podcast by Starista. Probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. Today, Vincent and AJ chat with Ketty Trevelli, CMO at Prudential Group Insurance. She talks about how marketing automation helps with keeping customer experiences consistent and connected. AJ steers clear of COVID, and Vincent tries to keep him from falling asleep. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships. It is so great to be back. This is the first episode we're recording in the new year, but we want to keep you uh, posted on what is actually happening. It is our first episode, and I'm very excited for a variety of reasons. But first, let me pause. Let's talk about Starista in case you forgot about us. Now it's 2022. Starista, we are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, business-to-consumer data. We work with companies to utilize that data, to target that data, get new customers, email marketing. We own our own DSP adster, so we could do display, OTT, connected TV. Email me if you'd like, vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am in our service. I just gave you my email address. I won't give you my phone number. That's a whole other story. But the other thing I'm confident in, and I'm so happy to see his face, hear his voice for the new year. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. I'd kind of gotten used to napping around this time for the last week. So this is is new territory for me, but glad to be back, though. Uh, It is. It's good to be here. AJ, my co-host, ladies and gentlemen, my commander in chief, like I say, my CEO. It is good to be back. I'll try not to make you go to sleep, AJ, Uh, you know, cut into your nap time. It is so good. Happy New Year. Good, sir. Happy New Year. How was the uh, holidays for you? Uh, It was good. Yeah, I think uh, people around me seem to be getting COVID, but uh, I have managed to not get COVID, so I would chalk that as a win. The Teflon Don over there, as they say. (laughs) You're like Teflon. Yep. No, it's it's been good. My parents are visiting. Uh, They hadn't... uh, been out of India in a while. So this has been good for us. That's awesome. It's great. Yeah. Great to have, uh, you know, the parents there, they get to see the grandkids. For me, I enjoyed the holidays. I did. I am a little under the weather. It is not COVID. I took six home COVID tests over 10 days. uh, And I got one PCR test. And so I'm a little under the weather now, but I did not want to miss this podcast because of this amazing guest that we have. So I just realized that you can also just get sick. Remember that you could get a common cold. People <laughs> seem to forget about that. So I believe I have a common cold. I do not have COVID. I just, my nose can't take any more tests. I'll tell you that now, <laughs> but it's been, uh, it was crazy. It was, uh, but it was a good time. Well, I'm, this I'm... time of year. You know, you, I took the tree down yesterday. That's always disappointing more for me. My kids don't care. They're too young. They're like, all right, just now I have more space to run around. But it is good to be here. It's the start of a new year, AJ. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad all your tests came back negative. So, but yeah, it is It is weird. Now, if you hear a sneeze, the first thing is, oh, 
I got to leave this restaurant. This person might give me COVID. Oh, yeah. People bug out. You sneeze. Yeah. Even my son at four and a half, he knows. He's like, Dad, that guy just sneezed. He has to get off the elevator. And he'll say that aloud. He'll say that <laughs> in front of this guy. And I, I'm just like, I'm like, no, it doesn't. He has a mask on. It's okay. It's uh, crazy times. Yep. Crazy times indeed. But we're back. We are here. We already celebrated our 100th episode. You've already heard that. We are rocking and rolling here, ladies and gentlemen. And it is our first episode that we're recording in the new year. Oh, and do we have an amazing one. I am so glad that we're talking to this next guest. She is from Prudential Group Insurance. Prudential, you've heard of Prudential. This is Prudential Group Insurance within that amazing organization, an amazing organization in itself. She is the chief marketing officer of Prudential Group Insurance. Ladies and gentlemen, a warm marketing stir. Welcome to Ketty Trevetti. What's going on, Ketty? Great to be here. Thank you so much and happy new year. How are you? Happy new year. I am great. It is so great to talk to you. Great to meet you. Uh, thank you for joining us on the marketing stir. Kenny, let's get right into it, if we could, because Prudential, people know Prudential, right? If you don't, come on, you live under a rock. All of our listeners know Prudential, but talk to us about Prudential Group Insurance. I would love to learn about that division, business unit. Talk about your role within Prudential Group Insurance. And also, uh, talk to us about, I know I'm throwing like 28 questions at you at once, but I'm so happy you're here. Talk to us about how you got into marketing as well, because those are the questions that our guests love to hear right off the bat. So take it away. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I know. I think I those are three great questions. So thank you for that. Um, what I'll share with you is, you know, uh, and thanks for the analogy to the rock. That was a great one. But Prudential Group Insurance is a business unit of Prudential Financial. And the group insurance business basically produces and distributes a full range of just group life, disability, voluntary, and corporate and trust-owned life insurance products, as well as provides administration services. Now, I know that these are insurance coverages that are so critical and so important to an individual's financial well-being. Uh, my, my role, as, as you just mentioned and as you introduced me as Chief Marketing Officer at Group Insurance, my team and I were responsible for really product marketing, institutional marketing, and engaging all of the individuals across our clients, which are technically our employers, around really contributing and, and engaging in um, the ability to basically buy product coverages, whether it's life insurance, disability, or supplemental health coverages, so that they're protecting their loved ones. So think about this, if I put this in simple words, B2B and B2C marketing, as well as capabilities. Now, you asked me, how did I get started in marketing? Uh, this is an interesting one, personally, for me, because I never dreamed of being a marketer or I didn't start my career in marketing. I actually started my career as an equities analyst. And I stepped into the path of marketing through a stretch assignment. So over the first couple of, I would say, five years, uh, my focus was primarily research analysts, equities analysts across financial services, more around investment management and asset management. And at that time, I used to work very, very closely on the investment side. And we were in the process of developing 
for initiating uh, a CRM platform that would really enable us to understand uh, consumer touch points, customer touch points. And there was a stretch assignment where I ended up raising my hand. I got involved in building that with various individuals on that team, which also allowed me uh, to you know, uh, use my analytics skills, which allowed me to analyze customer data, leverage the information. And ultimately, the work that involved was engaging with customers. Uh, that started, you know, getting my interest more on the marketing side. And as the role opened up, I stepped into that role and I moved into marketing. So, so that's how I got started in marketing. And, uh, you know, I have been with Prudential Group Insurance for 14 years now, but overall have been in financial services for 23 years. So very exciting. And we're glad you joined the marketing channel because otherwise you wouldn't be on our marketing podcast. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit more about, uh, you know, what are some of the channels and strategies you're using for marketing right now? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, I would say that marketing automation across the entire B2B and B2C journey is a key area of focus for us. And I, I would also offer up that that has actually been amplified in our marketing efforts, especially over the last 18 months because of just the market environment with what's happened to the workforce due to COVID and so many other reasons. Um, so when I think about the basic approach or the strategy, I would say marketing automation infuses a lot of the channels and the strategies that we've deployed. Automation has also provided us this ability to create consistent one-on-one uh, -on -one cross channel journeys um, that have delivered a consistent connected customer experience, you know? And, and I would say that if I was to maybe give you one example or one strategy, I'm gonna tie that back to account-based marketing. So most of us, right, as marketers, we're familiar with the B2B experience with the B2B customer journey. But what's interesting about account-based marketing and the ability for us to basically leverage data is that our ability to really target the right customers uh, or the right accounts, as we call it, on the insurance side through priority account lists and making sure that we're being extremely laser focused in terms of how we're really orchestrating that consistent experience with the brand across whether it's through communications, engagement, um, you know, various other channels, whether it's social, email, personalization, chat, and so on, so much more. But the intent around this is how do we keep the customer-facing teams aligned with the marketing-facing teams to make sure that from the first touch all the way through engagement as well as through expansion, that we're really pulling all of that account data together so that it matters the most. And, and really bringing all of this together, using attribution, influence reporting to measure and to optimize the message is really key. So I would say this is a really interesting strategy that we've leveraged on the B2B side. One of the interesting strategies that has actually resulted in some really interesting learnings as well as uh, great results for us. Kitty, is there a specific uh, automation systems or uh... I guess, marketing stack that you are a big fan of and that you recommend and use yourself? Uh, well, we, we are actually, I would say, focused or rather investing in Adobe. Uh, so that is definitely an investment, style, you know, a market stack that we're moving towards. But I'll also tell you that we've also looked at Seismic as well as Eloqua as well as On24. So these are various marketing stacks that we've leveraged as far as our B2B and B2C journey. 
Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. Our, our listeners love hearing about uh, some stack out there, technology stack that they get. Oh, wow. Okay, I, I should look into that. So thank you, uh, Kenny. You talked about it. I want to analyst to marketer, right? Uh, do you feel that your analyst background helps you in marketing now? Absolutely, it does. I mean, uh, you know, when I think about marketing, or when all of us think about marketing, I mean, marketing requires fundamentally analyzing and understanding through data and insights. And insights and data tied to customer needs, whether it's product, whether it's market attributes. Uh, I think analyzing this information, as well as the ever-changing market environment, and the various factors are critical, right, to develop any kind of marketing strategy or positioning or content strategy to meet our customer needs. So I feel that, you know, the first step that I take back through my work in, in, in as an analyst is I tend to dig deep into really understanding what the challenge is and then how do we try and solve that. So, yes, it absolutely does. And, Kenny, I wanted to talk, uh, people think about insurance, I think in a different way now, given the last couple of years, right? I think it's so much more important that you look at life insurance, you look at a lot of different factors, uh, but financial wellness, right? I think is something that people really had to take a deeper look in the mirror and say, okay, well, how sound am I? Do you have any like financial tips about, you know, uh, financial wellness or tips about financial wellness that not a lot of people may know that you could share with us? You know, Vincent, it's interesting that over the last, I would say, maybe three to five years, the word financial wellness has been out there a lot, right? And there's been so much information and education just on the importance of financial wellness. But when, when you kind of look at that and when you understand that, what I take away is that there are three fundamental areas that, or tips, as you said, that 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 I would offer up. One is when you think about financial wellness, you're thinking about financial well-being for yourself, for your loved ones. What's really important is, you know, budgeting, creating a budget so that you as an individual, as well as your family, uh, are aware of what you're spending, how you're spending, and why you're spending your money. So creating a budget, I would say, is the first critical factor. The second one is, in the environment that we live in, right, handling your credit with serious care. This is so important. And I would say this is not just important for us as adults, but like how do we start maybe teaching our kids about this too? Because we know that, right, as they turn to be adults, this is something that as, as, as we can teach them, this would be better. And then the third one is, which again is important, but I know it's probably the most toughest one is, building on a fundamental approach or a value on how much do we want to save? Or how much can we save, right? It's very easy for folks to say, well, we have to save, but how much can you save and how much do you want to save? Because this it allows you to plan for any kind of major purchases that you may want to have or any kind of indulgences that we need to lean into or even basically allows you to manage money for any kind of emergency. So I would say these are three factors. Create a budget, you know, handle your credit, and make sure that you're saving. So these are the three fundamental tips that I would offer up. What do you see as the uh, future of insurance? That, so this is an interesting one too, because as we think about insurance, I mean, the insurance industry has rapidly 
rapidly shifted from a product-led to a service-led offering. Um, you know, I think I was just talking to Vincent that technology um, such as AI and big data used to be buzzwords, right? right, a couple of years ago, but now they're kind of integral for any kind of insurance uh, or, or insurance industry. When we think about the future of insurance, I mean, there are specific elements around digitization that are not really necessary, but these are kind of the norm. Um, so as we think about digital engagement, digital interaction, platform integration, our ability to really analyze data, and more so, how are we really meeting the customer uh, where they, they want us to meet them, right? So personalization to the extent of making sure that we're really providing the customer a very seamless customer experience, all the way from purchase to service. So that's really the key. And as we think about the future of insurance, our ability to really integrate technology, our ability to integrate understanding of the customer data is going to be really, really important and relevant. And you've been doing, obviously, insurance marketing or been in the insurance space for a long time now. Uh, what is different about marketing for uh, insurance companies versus kind of general marketing for, say, retail? You know, I, I, I have been doing insurance for, I would say, over the last 14 years. But, you know, I also have the privilege uh, of working with a lot of clients and my team and I, we work with a lot of our clients that are across various industries. So AJ, when, when I think about uh, what's really different, you know, I, I don't think I necessarily see it as different than many other industries because at the end of the day, right, you're dealing with a customer. And a customer doesn't look at, at least in the case of insurance, what I, would, what I will offer up is, a customer doesn't look at every engagement with the insurance company in isolation. They look at the engagement as a whole. And that has always been the case. I think that sometimes the realization of that is a lot bigger now. So that is what I think is really different. Um, the thing to keep in mind is how do we, right, continue to nurture a deeper relationship with this customer across the entire customer journey, so especially in the case of insurance, all the way from onboarding, implementation, enrollment to servicing through innovation, agility, and technology. So I would say that is really the different mindset or the different approach that we have to continue to, to you know, to lean into. And I, Kenny, I think now's a great time to talk about it because it's the beginning of the year and that's usually when companies start to look at that, right? So I'd love to get your take on what do companies usually look for in, in insurance for their employees? Um, so what a company will typically look for when they're, when they're purchasing insurance coverage or, or you know, figuring out what's the right policy for their employees, it's really all about what's the plan coverage? Is it competitively priced for my employees? Um, how is the carrier, the insurance carrier, ranked on service and administration capabilities? Do they have the right service and administration capabilities to really kind of re be part of their overall benefit strategy? Because ultimately what they want is at the end of the day is they want their employees to have a seamless customer experience. And they also want to ensure that whatever coverage, insurance coverage that they're offering, that that forms to be a part of their overall benefit strategy. So those are some of the key factors that I would say that a company would typically look for. 
advice. Right. We appreciate that. And Kenny, I want to talk to you about uh, marketer, marketing in, in general, right? We, we talked about insurance specifically, but as you said, you've been, in a, you've been a marketer for, uh, you know, you'd say 20 years, right? You've been in 20, 23 years. Uh, won't keep harping on the years. We're both, we both are young, uh, you and I. Uh, AJ, maybe, not so much. But we uh, talk to us about what you think the, some of the most successful traits as a marketer is and, and what should people be really looking into doing with their marketing to become successful? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we, we're living in really interesting times uh, today where we have data at our disposal and we have to be really respectful and mindful in terms of how we leverage that. So from my perspective, I would say that the most important thing to keep in mind as a marketer is understanding your customer profile. Understanding the customer profile and staying close to the market and environmental challenges. Understanding these factors will allow us or enable you to basically build and tailor the marketing journey, which is think about the marketing journey as value proposition, content strategy, engagement, and servicing. Understanding these, I think, is critical because it gives us an ability to really build the most important right aspect of that. Uh, your second question or your, you know, your add-on question was around like, how do we right, stay successful or how do I stay successful? For me, what I've learned in my time is, you know, staying successful requires having a learning mindset. And I'm quite sure, right, that you as well as our listeners would agree with that because the time that we live in today, ability to constantly learn and pivot and understand in terms of what's going on um, helps us. But, you know, for me personally, it's having a learning mindset, keeping a consistent pulse on just trends in market environment. And not just in the insurance industry or in the financial services organization, but I like to keep a consistent pulse on just trends in marketing and, and, and what's happening from a marketing perspective across other industries. I think that learning is, is just amazing because that gives you the ability in terms of how right individuals or companies are solving for customer challenges. Balancing the use of data and creativity, I think, is extremely key. And then the most important thing is personal, which is understanding how things are evolving and changing and how are we, right, as individuals, upskilling ourselves on new capabilities and approaches to ensure that we're able to contribute to just business growth. So I would say those are some of the key aspects in terms of how I feel that, you know, it's important to stay successful as well as continue to evolve yourself here. It's so rare to see somebody stay at the same job for as many as years as you have these days, right? When average uh, person is changing jobs every couple of years. So, you know, what is your favorite part of your job and how have they kept you this long? Yeah, um, so I'll tell you, I haven't been a chief marketing officer at Prudential Group Insurance for 13 years. I've been uh, very fortunate to have been part of group insurance uh, for the last 13 years, but my role has evolved every two to three years. So I've done a lot of different things and I've been chief marketing officer for the last uh, two years now. So the favorite part of my job is, again, as I said, just solving challenges and meeting customer requirements. Um, you know, we're upfront uh, with customers, we engage with distribution, we're brought in, right, as marketers to really kind of 
align on how do we develop a plan, a program, and how do we communicate that and engage with our customers. So seeing all of that through is really exciting because you need to be kind of in, in you know, you're using your creative and data skills as well as your marketing skills to really bring ultimately um, the program or the plan together to create the best result for the customer. So I would say that's the favorite part of my work. And it sounds like you must have taken over at the time when uh, pandemic was just starting. So uh, how did how was that like and how have things changed for you during the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, I actually I will tell you that that's a great question because I came into this role in April 2020 and I, I still remember that March uh, 15th is where you know, the workplace changed, right, for us. Like, we all were remote starting that day, at least at, uh, within our company. But what's been really, what, what's been interesting for me personally is that I've seen that the workplace, the workforce, the customer mindset of how we engage and evolve with even our clients, all of that changed radically. And, you know, we don't have the time or the ability to say, all right, here's the problem and how do we solve it? Do we take our time? We have to really pivot. So the learning of really our ability to have that organizational agility to be able to pivot and to kind of move to what was needed was really key. So that was what really kind of came to life for me. Um, professionally, I will tell you one thing that I have learned is that the level of change, no matter how hard, or easy at times, right? It has, it's always followed with opportunity. And that's what I would say my team and I lean towards and we kind of drove that to the ground. So that was one of the biggest learnings for me during the pandemic. And Kathy, because you're in that role and, and I, I love your story because uh, a lot of the research that we've done prior to this is seeing that over, you know, you started out and now you're the CMO, congratulations, by the way. Uh, the Talk to us about how difficult it has been or has it or some tips out there to stay engaged with your team, right? You probably were doing hiring during this time to keep morale up. This is always something that our listeners love hearing from CMOs about how to do it. So I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's tough. I'll be honest with you, it's not easy. But I will also tell you that we have a phenomenal team. We've had a team that has stayed together, that has pulled through together. We've had folks that have left, um, you know, as part of uh, over the last two years, but we've had a lot of new folks that have come onto our teams too. What's been interesting, I would say for us is, uh, you know, simple things in terms of engagement, which is how are we making sure that we're connected? How are we making sure that we're offering our team the ability for having, right, uh, you know, the effort of just, just work-life balance, for example? How are we making sure that we have the ability where the teams are able to communicate more clearly and more openly? So whether it is things like open hours, whether it is things like, um, you know, bringing the teams together on, on a regular basis to communicate and engage with the team, bringing in individuals to talk about just how positive thinking can impact uh, assessments, uh, making sure that we're providing them with open forums for discussions, whether if they have questions. And I have to give this to, to our organization as Prudential, which is, it's been amazing with the capabilities and the resources that we've been offered. 
and that we've had at our disposal, you know, so that we are able to not just take care of work, but also take care of life. So those have been some key things that, you know, that we've really focused on from an engagement perspective. Thanks for sharing. And Ketty, you mentioned what you love about work, but has there been uh, like a highlight or a shining moment the last few years you want to talk about? Um, I, would, I would say that the highlight uh, professionally is, is, it's just, you know, as a leader, uh, when you see your team thrive and when you see your team really um, excel at what they do and grow, I think that's been probably one of the best things, you know, for me to see. Um, just in terms of their career paths, in terms of how they've evolved. And, you know, my, you know, something that I've learned as part of my, over my career is paying it forward. Um, you know, I, I like to be not just a leader, but, you know, I take great pride in also kind of mentoring and coaching my team from a career pathing perspective. So to be able to see that and to see how they've excelled uh, is, is really, um, I, I would say that's probably one of the most uh, amazing things for me. Kenny, one of our standard staple questions it has to do with LinkedIn, and especially given your title and where you work, I'm sure you get a tremendous amount of unsolicited messages on LinkedIn and email. Uh, so what's a message that uh, gets through to your inbox that you're actually going to respond to? And uh, more importantly, what's one that really annoys you like a pet peeve? Yeah, I, I'll tell you that if it is uh, if it's a message coming to my inbox, what 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 gets my attention is when someone is interested in having a conversation about again a challenge or an opportunity or something that's happening where they want to have a conversation or they want to have some kind of a discussion that will that will that will aid um, you know some kind of ability right in in driving a result. When I see something on LinkedIn, what really interests me is personal stories of accomplishments, you know, individuals that are overcoming struggles and challenges. I think LinkedIn has become an area where folks are always posting um, really amazing stories of, you know, what they're doing and how they're overcoming uh, challenges or, or struggles. And I think that always gets my attention because I think that that's really inspiring. And, you know, when you see some of this, I think inspiration is nowadays key, not only to a professional, uh, you know, professionally to an individual, but I would say inspiration is key to life. And uh, tell us a little bit about your personal side. What, is, what are some of your hobbies? What do you like to do outside of work? Um, love music, love traveling. I have family, so we, uh, we love to travel. Uh, but I spend a lot of my time nowadays, I would say as a mom, uh, really, um, you know, infusing my kids' hobbies, I would say. So definitely music and travel are more uh, of my hobbies. Uh, when I was younger, I used to love dancing a lot. Uh, but, uh, you know, now I tend to dance with my daughter a lot more, but I don't really practice it anymore. <laughs> oh, that's all. Yeah, I, you know, I share in that same hobby. I love to dance and a lot of it now is is with with my children as well let's let's talk about that what are your favorite genre do you like to dance uh, this anything you know i actually started dancing at the age of three according to my parents and i've trained in five forms of dance indian classical ballet ballroom contemporary and jazz so i you know i'm pretty i would say it's pretty varied at this point 
Wow. Yeah. So there's a little there's a little secret about me. AJ might know this. Uh, this is the biggest shocking thing that I think when people meet me for the first time and there's a dance floor is uh, my dance moves. I think uh, AJ wouldn't you agree about because uh, I'm a I'm a bigger guy. I'm six one, two hundred twenty pounds, and people are like you know. You're like a little gazelle out there. That's at least I say that to myself. I'm not classically trained like that, but I, I've actually uh, I'm trying to think. I've known you for ten plus years, but I don't think I've actually seen you dance. Come on, what do you mean you haven't seen me dance? That's usually the biggest thing. Like uh, that's the un, un, uh, a big secret about me is how when I'm out there, they're like, look how he he moves like an angel. I don't know. That's at least <laughs> I say that. But uh, I, I was in a lot of theater, uh, getting uh, so I. Some of those, you know, moves like uh, traditional moves. and uh, But now I dance with my kids. I dance with, uh, you know, I must have played Ed Sheeran's music all weekend. And we danced to, of course, Baby Shark. If I have to hear that song one more time, forget it. I'm going to throw Alexa out the window. But uh, you know, what do you mean you never knew that about me, AJ? I, uh, I, I guess I'll have to pay more attention when... Uh things reopen so yeah all right well you know at least well two of us know how to dance at least on this uh, <laughs> uh on this podcast here because i i have seen you do no, <laughs> but uh oh so Kenny, just talk to us about um you know your career you know because people love we have a lot of uh students who listen to this there's a lot of people in marketing at the still you know at entry level just coming in talk to us about some of the you know most valuable things you've learned in your career and, and also what would you say to someone just getting into marketing yeah i would say that um you know some of the most valuable things that i've learned throughout my career and i think i still continue to to learn them is that you have to be an active listener uh, an active listener when you're an associate or an active listener when you're leading a team it's extremely important Having a very clear uh, strategy or an approach or an objective is extremely important. But what I've learned is that our ability to truly communicate that is even more important. The more you communicate, the better it is. Aligning individuals is extremely critical. Something that I would say over the last 18 months that you know has been probably one of the biggest learnings is process is important. But the importance of just organizational agility and ensuring that, that there is nimbleness, that there's flexibility, that, you know, that folks are aligned and the ability to bring people together so that they can pivot and they can deliver on just given all of the change, right, that we're facing on a constant basis. So these are some really critical learnings that I would, I would say that I've learned through my, um, you know, throughout my career. But one of the learnings that I've personally learned and I continue to learn that and it fascinates me is that you know as a leader building a team of associates or leaders that are diverse and complementary is not just a necessary aspect or good but it is so needed it is so needed you know don't clone yourself um, you have to bring on individuals that have different traits but that can also work together as a team and when you do this magic happens so this is something that I would say is is definitely a, a key learning and, you know, something that I continue to learn and continue to follow. I love that. I love that. And Katie, again, because we, the, the personal side of this thing, any 
shows and music or movies that you've been watching, any books. Our listeners love hearing that. We get a lot from people who are like, oh, wow, you know, uh, I'm reading the same book as the CMO of Prudential Group Insurance. Like that's, uh, we'd love to hear that uh, before we wrap here. Absolutely. So, um, you know, music, I personally um, am a, I'm a huge Brian Adams fan. So I was listening to one of his latest albums uh, throughout the holidays and uh, just, you know, love that music. Uh, in terms of the book, I literally, I think around the holidays, I started reading uh, President Obama's biography mm-hmm. and I haven't finished it yet. I am on uh, page 46 and it's really interesting. Um, so I would say those are the two things definitely um, that, that, you know, that I'd like to share. That's amazing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's been Ketty Trivedi. Thank you so much, Ketty, for spending some time with us. And we really do appreciate it. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's Ketty Trivedi. She's the CMO of Prudential Group Insurance. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of Stris is the Marketing Stir. Happy New Year again, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you always for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.